and welcome to Family Health and Wellness podcast series called Parenting Tips, geared to parents and professionals working with families. Family Health and Wellness is a part of the National Extension System, which provides research-based information and is a program of Cornell Cooperative Extension of Suffolk County, New York. I'm Rory McNish, the host of this series, which will showcase family health and wellness educators who are experts in their field of child development, positive parenting practices, nutrition and health. Our goal is to help adults make research-informed decisions for themselves and their families. I'm pleased to welcome Maxine Roper-Cohen, who is joining us today to talk about your family's emotional health during challenging times. Maxine has been a family educator with Cornell Cooperative Extension since 2002 and specializes in increasing the knowledge base of parents in understanding their children in order to create and maintain family wellness and decrease family stress. Good afternoon, Maxine. 2020, what's up with that? It's really proven to be a challenging year, hasn't it? Oh, indeed it has, Lori. COVID-19 has changed the way families live. And parents worldwide have to pay extra attention to their family's physical as well as emotional health. We all know when babies are born that parents have to strive to meet all of their needs and their physical needs, cognitive, social, and emotional, especially during that critical first year of life. And when babies have these needs met, they form attachments to these important adults in their life, usually the parents, it could be grandparents, any caring adult. Mm -hmm. And what this helps is to build a foundation of trust and a feeling of security with the world around them. And there's always a need for parents to provide this type of loving and reliable care for their children. And this allows children to feel safe and protected and to be able to grow and mature. All of a sudden in our lifetime now, this healthy family life has been confronted by a potent viral force. COVID-19 has changed the way our families live. Oh yeah. We can't go back to our regular lives yet. And we can't allow our children to do everything that they used to do. And this is the most challenging thing for everybody's mental and emotional well-being. Now, are parents finding their roles more complex because of the pandemic, Maxine? Great question. You know, it's never been easy to be a parent. Uh, in the past several decades, women entered the workforce in increasing numbers, and mothers end up having two full-time jobs, one outside the home and one in the home. There's pressure on spouses and partners to divide childcare and other responsibilities. And when you add to this mix technology, that's created more stress as due to this technology, work days never end. Yeah, I can vouch for that. <laughs> <laughs> Children are also overscheduled with school and then out of school, after school activities. So in effect, families are overburdened and they're rushed day to day. And this has become our new normal. So we've had, you know, lots of needs for families. And then all of a sudden, the coronavirus has burst upon us to everybody's surprise. And our usual everyday rush has come to a standstill, unprecedented. And life as we had grown accustomed to was literally stopped in its tracks. Yep. This itself is such a shock to all of us. And 
what families have to do is face these brand new challenges. Uh, we have to listen to devastating news reports. We have to follow medical directives. And we ha we've had to pull back from our usual busy lives. And we've had to adjust to a new reality of uncertainty. And this uncertainty is not something that's, you know, time sensitive. It's undetermined. We don't know how long it will last and how mind-blowing this is for all of us. It was and it still is because we're not sure when it will end. So it is very challenging and complex for families to deal with. Absolutely. And uh, for parents Absolutely. to deal with as well. Yeah. Now, can you speak... Um, about some of the like the, the challenges for families? Definitely. Um, I think largest of all is that we're dealing with a sense of isolation. Uh, families who are used to getting together uh, with extended family members are cut off from visiting each other. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and that causes a lot of sadness and disconnection because for many of us, we're used to many generations coming together, grandparents, aunts and uncles, and yeah. cousins. And because we worry about you know, the health of our family members, especially older ones, it really becomes a heartbreaking challenge. What do we do? Absolutely. We wanna see them, but we're fearful for everybody's health and yeah. we don't have concrete answers. So, right, right. so that is a real challenge for families. And I've mentioned before the fact that we have to live with uncertainty. Questions such as, when will the pandemic end? Will my family stay safe and healthy? Will I keep my job? Uh, will my children or grandchildren suffer from a different type of learning experience? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's very difficult to deal with this uncertainty. Uh, you add to that mix of uh, families living with fear, fear of catching the virus, uh, especially for parents. If they catch it, who's going to take care of their children? Right. Who could they count on? Right. Uh, so each family has to make decisions relating to the risks that they're comfortable taking each day and as information changes. And for some, because of this, life has become so small and it becomes more boring uh, because safe spaces outside the home are decreasing. Right. So right. Uh, it, there's a lot going on psychologically. Yeah, um, a lot of frustration. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the frustration has to do with children and their education because right. when schools closed suddenly in March and for many districts, education became virtual, that's difficult for parents because not every parent is equipped to help their child with online learning. And as well, parents started working from home rather than in an outside the home environment. Right. And their work demands were simultaneous with their children's school demands. So that's a tremendous burden on a parent's time. Yeah. So, uh, most importantly, with all of these other challenges, families feel more anxious because their routine has changed. Uh, this lack of day-to-day -day structure caused by COVID-19 has shaken our equilibrium. And when routine is disrupted, 
uh, a routine meaning work for parents and school for children, okay. it leads to greater stress and anxiety so that families have had to establish new routines and rhythm for each day in order to decrease that anxiety. And that takes a lot of planning and a lot of getting accustomed to. So these are some of the many challenges that families have had to deal with. What's the first thing parents can do now to maintain the emotional health of their family? Well, I think, first of all, we need to speak about parental needs. Mm -hmm. Research has shown that parents who are calm and warm, who are patient and responsive to their children, are the most important predictor of their family's mental and emotional health. Right, right. And that, that's a tall order for parents yeah. to achieve when they too are feeling anxious and worried. Yeah. You know, you almost have to be an actor uh, and maintain this kind of calm exterior, yeah. even though you might be quivering inside because you are the role model for your children. Yep. Yeah, I was thinking about that. they will pick up body language and feelings. And yeah. if maybe they didn't feel anxious before, they're going to copy the parents. So, right. so that's a tall order for them to achieve when they are feeling that way too. So this is where self-care comes in. And to give you an example, just, just as on airplanes, when parents are told to put their oxygen mask on first, mm -hmm. if necessary, and then help their children, parents need to literally take a breath once in a while for themselves so that they remain better parents for their children. Mm -hmm. uh, and that could be taking a break outside, breathing in the fresh air, taking a walk, uh, all of these things just to give them a short break. And it's, it's much easier if there are two adults who are sharing the home because they could take turns and carve out a bit of alone time to clear their heads. Yep. Uh, it's helpful to do some deep breathing when feeling under pressure. Mm -hmm. Even if yep. you are inside with your children, just breathing in deeply to the count of four, holding it, yes, <laughs> and then breathing out deeply. They call that square breathing, and, and that okay. tends to calm you too. I have a little app on my watch that reminds me to do that every once in a while. So. <laughs> oh, that's terrific. That's great. Uh, for some people, having a warm bath at the end of the day is very calming and comforting, and that could be for parents, for children too. And it might be helpful if you have room in your house to have to designate a calm down space for any family member to use when necessary. If somebody gets upset or a child gets irritated, mm -hmm. just sort of not as a punishment, but a place to get away from the 24-7 togetherness, just to have a little bit of alone time and calming down time. Like and your own little mini vacation there. Exactly, <laughs> even if it's just five minutes. Right. <laughs> and for adults, it's also very important, the emotional connections that you have with other adults. Mm -hmm. um, so that calling a friend or a relative can help to relieve some stress by sharing life and, and laughing about the absurdity that we're living under now. So, you know, as I said, when parents have a means of releasing their own tensions, they're better able to help their children. So I would say that's the first thing that parents can do to maintain the emotional health of their family, to help themselves first. Now, how can parents deal with their children's fears due to the news? Okay, and that's, that's a big one. Uh, I, I would say the most important thing that they could do is to reassure their children 
that that they, the parents, will keep the family safe. Right. And there's no need for children, especially young children, to worry. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to answer their children's questions um, and about what they hear on the news. And it's important to listen to what the children are saying and let them express fears and feelings. Um, never belittle their feelings because for a young child, that fear is, is real. Mm-hmm. It's better to affirm their feelings and, and discuss what they could do as a family about the fears to, to calm a child down. So, right, right. Child, you know, if you listen to a child and say, I understand what you're saying, and let's figure out what we could do, that automatically, they, they, you could almost hear their sigh of relief that, yeah. that a parent is listening and, and saying, yes, I believe you, and this is what we can do, not pushing them away. Mm-hmm. Uh, with older children, you could, parents can help, to help them identify the information that they're either hearing or reading to determine if it is accurate because there, there is a lot of inaccuracy out there. Right, right. Uh, another thing is try to restrict the time that you listen to news or watch it on a TV or listen on a radio. The more people listen or watch these things, fears grow. So restricting it to a certain time of the day or a certain period of the day and then turning it off and doing other things could be helpful in decreasing children's fears and stress level in the house in general. Yeah. And it might be helpful for families to discuss what they could actually do in their community to help others in a safe manner. And sometimes having this type of family discussion and decision for positive action can help allay some of the fear and shift the emphasis from themselves to others. And many times that will help a family's emotional health increase. The fact that they are doing something and helping somebody else during this difficult time. Right. Good advice. I mean, that's taking the focus sort of away from you. Yes. Yeah. So Maxine, how can families create a new structure to their school and workday? Well, it is very helpful to create a new structure because routine is comforting for all of us. And our initial routine had been disrupted by COVID-19 so that it is very important for adults and children within the family to have this new structure, new routine. Mm -hmm. Children need to have a school routine and that's whether they're at home learning or in school learning. And as a parent works, so the child's work is school, and that's something the parent can emphasize. I have my work responsibilities, you have your school responsibilities, and we're going to maybe share the house, but we do have separate responsibilities. So it is helpful to set a schedule which includes a wake-up time, which should be consistent each day, and followed by grooming and dressing and and breakfast and and a set meal schedule during the day remembering that some children need more structure than others. Some of them are very self-sufficient, self-motivated, and they just follow it. Others might need a little bit more help in in getting used to this structure. And and that depends upon their age and their temperament. So it's important to keep that communication open and, and for parents to listen to the concerns that their children might have about a new schedule. Right. It is good to set 
reasonable daily goals and expectations for schoolwork to be completed. Uh, it's very hard at home for parents with children learning and parents working. Yeah. So that you, you try to, to, to accomplish as much as you can. It's not always going to happen. And from what I've been speaking to parents about is that they feel a tremendous pressure that they are their child's teacher and right. they aren't. They're their helper. They, they help guide. But it's, it's almost too much to put that tremendous pressure on mm -hmm. a parent to be the teacher as well as the parent as well as accomplishing their own work. So there has to be reasonable daily goals for schoolwork to be completed. And also, if a child is learning at home, part of that new structure is building in breaks for the child. It's not healthy for a child to stare at a screen for five or six hours a day. It's not healthy for an adult to do that. We yep. all need movement breaks. We've got oh, to yeah. get up and move around, yep. um, relax our eyes, uh, which take a great deal of strain from staring yep. at a screen. I know I have to. You know that, right? Oh, yeah. Yep get outside a little bit. And when you think about in-school learning, there are many breaks during the day. There are transitions, there's recess, there's lunch, there's time between periods in elementary school. So we could replicate that a bit at home. It would be very advantageous. Uh, also parents would be wonderful. Parents could establish a line of communication with the child's teacher if the child is learning from home. Mm -hmm. uh, and this could be done via email and offer support to that teacher to work as a team to help with your child's individual needs. Teachers are very appreciative of that. They're also frustrated and overwhelmed too with all this yeah. technology. For many teachers, they are teaching a class inside their classroom and simultaneously doing remote learning. And that wow. is a tremendous challenge. Yeah. So that any help that a parent could offer would be well utilized by the teacher. And in this way, if there are any issues or problem with the child, the, the teacher knows that there's a partner who will help them at the other end. Mm -hmm. So this is part of that new structure of learning from home. Uh, it's a real challenge for teachers to reach students through this artificial screen of, of the computer and also while children and teachers wear masks. Yeah. You, know, you lose a lot of, of body cues and visual right. cues. So right. it, it, didn't think not, of that. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely right. I mean not you, easy. Yeah, you know. In fact, for some teachers in schools, um, they have masks where their mouths, it's it's more of a clear mask for the mouth for children to learn oh cool okay how to say letters and blends things that we took for granted right right uh, speech therapists sometimes use that with children so that mm -hmm. if it's online learning we need these cues it's it's a lot different type of learning than when you're at school one-on-one -on -one with a teacher yeah so an important part of creating this new structure in the school and workday is that parents need to be flexible with their own work schedule if they have children at home. So if two, two parents are at home, they could take turns helping their child if they need help with the on-screen learning. Uh, but they also have to realize that both children and parents need to loosen up a bit. Everybody's undergoing these challenging times. I mean, education throughout the world is going to be different yeah. in this year or two years or year and a half. Uh, if, if they're not getting everything that they would have gotten 
there will be time when this is over when they will make that up. Mm -hmm. So it's not that their child is going to be behind another child. We're all going through this together and the work will be accomplished eventually. And there's just a limit in what each of us could do in one day. So I, I would say the most important lesson is that we should not be too hard on ourselves or each other. How, how can family, you know, with social life, uh, um, how can family members maintain that? It's really important for our emotional health. You know, it, we need to do that. You're right. And, and we all do need connections. And that would include, you know, family members and friends, because we are social beings. You're, you're, you're entirely right, Rory. Yeah. And children should be encouraged to play. Play is very important. Children mm -hmm. learn when they play. For young children, um, I would emphasize imaginary play because this helps the child deal with any fears that that child might have and they can act out dreams. And this is very cathartic for them. Yeah. And young children are satisfied with family members as playmates. So we don't worry that much about young children because if family members are around, they have that social context. And then we get to school-age children, and although they cannot safely play with others in the same room, they can call friends. They can go online and have virtual play dates. They can call relatives and have a conversation. These are all social attempts of, of normalcy. Um, the online play dates have become very popular, especially with elementary school age children. Uh, children in school, you might think have an advantage because they are seeing other children, but from mm -hmm. what I see in my own school district, they are in their own cubicles surrounded by plexiglass and right. in those cubicles all day. Yep. And not touch things other children have and they don't play together and they're separated even when they're in gym or outside for recess yeah so they're not in such an advantage compared to children at home mm -hmm. uh, it, it's not that children at home are missing that much it's they still not normal together, but they can't play together it's still it's still not normal no matter exactly. if you're in school or at home exactly. you know learning has changed so as far as, you know, social well-being, parents, you know, can tell their children that this is temporary, that they will eventually be able to get together with others and play like they used to. It gets a little bit harder with teens because for teens, uh, connecting with their peers is very important. And it's so difficult for them to social distance. So remote education for teens perpetuates a negative mood because it is isolating. Right. So parents can help their teens connect with friends by utilizing social media, staying in touch, and perhaps by meeting friends outdoors at a distance. You know, as long as we have nice weather, at least this is, you know, even more important for them to have that immediacy with their peer group. So that's one safe way of doing that. Interestingly, um, a survey was done of 1,500 teens, and this was collected in May of June of this year, 2020, by the Institute of Family Studies, and it found that the percentage of teens who were depressed or lonely was actually lower this year than in 2018. No kidding. Which was very, very controversial. Yeah. The study's authors suggest that the reasons for this improvement in mood during 2020 
were that teens were sleeping more in quarantine huh. and that the majority of them, 68%, said that they felt closer to their families. Wow. So that I thought was very, very provocative. Yeah. That's more sleep, spending more family time, perhaps eating together more, all mm -hmm. positive things for social and emotional health for all family members. And that perhaps is due to our life necessarily slowing down and being less demanding. So it's that, not necessarily all bad. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, I think, you know, other things too, you know, um, there's some positive out, outcomes from this, you know. Um, now, I guess that brings us to another point. How important is sleep uh, for, for our emotional health? In my uh, previous two podcasts, I discussed the importance of sleep for both yep. children mm -hmm. and adults, parents. And during challenging times, I can't emphasize enough the importance of a regular calming down period leading to a good night's sleep for all family members. And it is difficult because with worry and with anxiety, many times we're prevented from falling asleep the way we should. Mm -hmm. uh, sleep is restorative and it gives the body time to relax and repair and it also gives the brain time to develop and regulate body processes and a good night's sleep helps everyone to focus and be productive the next day sleeping enough improves everyone's mood and it also increases patience so for all of these reasons Sleep is so, so important, especially during these times. It's good to institute a nighttime routine for children, which lulls them into at least 10 to 12 hours of sleep. For teens, that's going to be probably more like nine to nine and a half hours. But this will help them to feel better, less irritable, more positive for the next day. Right. And for, for us, we as parents, we should aim for at least six hours of sleep a night, optimally nine hours, and that will help elevate everybody's emotional health. Now, how can families have fun together to improve their emotional health? Yes, fun is not optional. <laughs> we have so much work to do and to accomplish each day, so it is vital to set aside some time for fun as well. So here, you know, here are some suggestions. Why not dance to music together in the house? Put mm -hmm. on some great tunes, dance together. Uh, there's been raids on the food stores. I think people are buying more and cooking more at home. So mm -hmm. cooking together, baking together, a lot of fun when everyone takes part. And there's a lot to be learned for children in cooking and baking and measuring and numbers. So it's a learning experience as well. And children sometimes who are picky eaters will more likely eat something if they help to make it. Right. Uh, singing together, doing arts and crafts projects are all fun activities. And to get some ideas for these activities, many of our community libraries offer free Zoom and Facebook programs that involve art and music and reading together. So these are all suggestions. A big one is going outdoors each day. Nature yeah. is wonderful and it, it, it helps calm us. 
it shows us the beauty of the world around us. It's important for families to be outside, dress for the weather, and it, and it does elevate mood. It really is great yeah. for emotional health. So whether you go as a family on a walk, whether you play ball or play tennis or create some kind of backyard obstacle course or bike riding, these are all wonderful family activities. And when you are forced to be inside with very nasty weather, it's fun to take out those board games, uh, to play cards together. These are such fun activities and they provide hours of playing and most importantly, laughing together as a family. Yep, absolutely. It's wonderful. And even for parents to tell their children what life was like when they were growing up, children won't believe it and they'll laugh their heads off, but just these sharing opportunities bond you together as a family and they and you'll be surprised but they provide lots of memories for years to come so um the only thing that i have to say though is that you know all this cooking and everything here it's uh we have to do another podcast on overeating during covid <laughs> you know i agree with you because i don't know one person who has put on regular pants since this happened <laughs> we're all in our fat clothing right yeah Lots of comfortable clothes, and many people complain about the COVID-10. I think that if we take some time to be outdoors and walk yep. and bike ride and try to exercise. Yep, you got to balance it. Not to restrict ourselves or deprive ourselves, but enjoy food in moderation uh, okay. and try to burn it up with energetic activities. But I think we'll all deal with that afterwards. I took, took my <laughs> walk today. My wife and I, you know, we try to do that, you know, every day if we can, so... That's great. So Maxine, is there, is there a silver lining for a family's emotional health during these challenging times? There certainly is, Rory. We have to live with much more uncertainty and lack of control for right now. And this does challenge a family's mental and emotional health. But what we have learned is to live each day, live in the moment, and that's a great lesson. You know, we, we can only have so much control, and some of it is beyond our control, and we have to accept that for now. But if we do have more family time, life is not as rushed, and there aren't as many distractions. So if we can create more calmness in our homes, we can enjoy being with and playing with each other having time to talk together. And as I said before, parents can talk about what their life was like when they were growing up. And there's always good time for laughing. There's time for hobbies, new hobbies to develop or emerge. So have that fun together and cement those positive moments. And know that we as families are all adapting together. We've learned how to maintain a new routine, and we know that eventually we will emerge from this challenging time. Keep the communication open. Enjoy knowing that your family has grown closer, and most of us have. Uh, we've been thrust together, but we've learned how to grow closer, how to compromise, how to laugh together. We are all resilient, and especially children. Children yeah. will follow their older family members. Right. So if we're resilient, they will be, they're adaptable. And your family's emotional health can be maintained. And we can all thrive when we treat each other with love 
patience and understanding. Well, thank you, Maxine. I think this is such a poignant and timely podcast. I really appreciate you coming on and getting us through this. You know, this is not an easy time as we were talking about before. So many things are happening and, you know, we have to, we have to, like you said, be a little flexible, you know, so uh, I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Absolutely. Well, that's our podcast on your family's emotional health during challenging times. Thanks for listening. We would love to hear your comments about today's topic. You can email us at jsj at cornell.edu or you can contact Maxine directly at mc333 at cornell.edu. For more information on this topic and others, check out our blog at www.blogs.cornell.edu forward slash ccesuffolkfhw. You can also visit our website at ccesuffolk.org and click on Family Health and Wellness. Take care, everybody. Stay healthy.